0: Which NFC receiver is being undervalued despite his starting role in a massive passing offense? Which Chiefs running back represents the best draft value for you in 2022 FFPC drafts? And which 42 FFPC Joes will battle for seven 2023 FFPC main event entries against 42 industry pros? Plus, Jack Colshin, a multi-league winner in the Football Guys Players Championship, will drop in to talk about the Colts' wideouts. Josh Palmer, Rob Gronkowski, and more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour officially starts now.
1: And the pressure,
0: I've seen the
2: Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Boltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the
1: scripture, are we not all our
2: father's sons? I became a man, Nobody ever Thank you,
0: Rob, and greetings and salutations to all the bulkaholics and LEX. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. We're going to bring Farrell in shortly, but I do want to let you know that coming up on tonight's show, we're going to discuss Travis Etienne's ADP, whether K.J. Osborne needs to be on your late draft target list, And then two-time FFPC, I beg your pardon, Football Guys League champion, Jack Colsheen is going to break down his 2022 Football Guys drafts, Isaiah Spiller's 2022 fantasy value, and much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, we are at Hour. I am at Eric Balkman and always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash Hour is where you can find us there. You can also email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now's the time to send. We'll try to get to all the tweets, the emails, um, and all the chat room questions in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and of course our producer and mutual friend Rob couple of things I want to point out. We're going to be announcing the 42 Joes that are going to be representing the FFPC and the Pros versus Joes competition shortly. Uh, Before we do get to that list, I do want to remind everybody, the Football Guys Early Bird promo is active for a $35 discount. So if you uh, register by the end of this month and draft by July 15th, you'll get a free $35 team credit. We'll add that up to your account three times at the FFPC. That's over $100 in free teams. So have fun with that. Drafting the football guys take your shot at a half million dollar grand prize. The 2022 FFPC best ball tournament is back better than ever. Grand prize doubled. Prize pool nearly doubled. That's a lot of fun as well. 125 bucks could get you $200,000. Inaugural Superflex Best Ball Tournament is off and running as well. $35 uh, could get you a chance at 10 dollars in that. Dynasty Startup still available. we got a ton of those going off tomorrow, this weekend, and throughout the week. And, of course, plenty of slow, live, and sit-and-go best ball options at myffpc.com if you prefer a 12-team close league, want to play in a Terminator format, you want to play in a varsity format best ball, best ball slim, whatever, Uh, all those are available at myffpc.com. And don't forget to register for the Run to Daylight Championship at kffsc.com. Five spots left in Sunday's draft, plus the Draft Masters and, of course, the main event awarding a $25,000 grand prize there. Now, let's get to the moment we've all been waiting for, or I know many of you are waiting for. I'm about to read the 42 FFPC Joes that will be representing uh, the FFPC against 42 industry stalwarts, industry pros in our 2022 version of the FFPC Pros versus Joe's Challenge. Um, all seven of these drafts um, will be, all, all 12 drafters in each one of these seven drafts will be fighting for a 2023 FFPC main event free entry, which is about a $2,2100 $2,000, value. So lots at stake here. Um, and we're giving away seven of those. Uh, the only people who are eligible. For the Joes drawing were were those who put a deposit down or paid for their teams in full by the main event early bird deadline, which was May 31st. We want to thank the support that we got from so many players who signed up, registered their teams. Um, It's going to be an awesome year. As a reminder, we are awarding a million-dollar grand prize this year, first time not only in our history but in season-long fantasy football history as well that a million-dollar grand prize is going to be awarded. Now, these 42 Joes will – I should say 30 of them, no, my math is totally wrong on this. Yeah. 30, right? No, 36, 36 of them. I knew I'd get it right. 36 of them. We will cover their drafts live on the high stakes fantasy football Hour coming up July 24th, 25th and 26th. And of course, July 31st, August 1st, and August 2nd, the other six will be participating in a slow draft, which we will not be broadcasting on here, but you can definitely check out. We'll have the boards up at the FFPC, um, uh, message board, uh, it they'll be posted there, those boards, as well as the FFPC Twitter and the FFPC Facebook. Speaking of which, for the first time tonight, we're not only broadcasting live on YouTube, we're also broadcasting live on Twitter and on Facebook. So make sure if you want to check out those venues and watch this show going forward, you definitely can do that. Facebook.com slash Fantasy Football Players Championship, Twitter.com slash FFPC. Without further ado, here are the 42 Joes that will be playing Against those industry pros. Uh, Rashad Cobb will be one of them. Tim Deneau, a former FFPC main event champion. And another one, Chad Schroeder, will also be in Pros versus Joe's this year. A guy who has participated in it before, Henry Muto, is back in Pros versus Joe's this year. Grant Dempsey, uh, congratulations, you're in. Shelly Fossum, a former guest of this show, she'll be playing. Chris Chapman, John Hurd, a guy who's also been on this show before, he's going to be in uh, Pros versus Joe's this year. Julio Fuentes, congratulations. Chris Hammett, um, a guest that we're going to be having, and I'll tell you about him uh, at the end of the show, but Shane Wingard is also going to be in Pros versus Joes. He's going to be on this program next week. Very exciting there. Lou Tranquilli, a longtime, uh, a longtime FFPC player and a guy who's been on this program before. Welcome aboard to Pros versus Joes. William Van Ormer, Vince Staffolino, uh, Steve Schatzel, all in. Michael Zucca. By the way, Staffolino, former guest of the show, shows. So is Michael Zucca and the next guy, Michael Apt, a guy who is a former Football Guys Players Championship overall winner. They are all in. Matt Marcoux, Kevin Proctor, uh, Jeremy Ween, all in. That's twenty of them. Jeff Gill makes twenty-one, so we're halfway through the list. Congratulations to those twenty-one owners. Here are the final twenty-one. A guy you're familiar with, Jason Steves, was just on the road of his high-stakes slowdown. He will be in as well. Uh Peter Kuluberis will also be in. Congratulations there. Larry Weinhauer, longtime FFPC player. You've heard him on these broadcasts before. Joshua Durham, Jeremiah Turner, Jay Scafforello. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I tried to practice these names beforehand, but that's no guarantee I'm gonna get them right. James DeVito, Daniel Osorio, Chris Birchby. Uh, Brian Harris, another couple of guys who've been on the program before. And, of course, Adrian Quintana, John Terry, guy who had two teams in the top ten in the Football Guys Players Championship last year. He's in as well as Justin Baker, John McLaughlin, and uh, Liz Ballard also in. That is 36. Here are the final six that are in. David Garcia, Danny Mueller, a guy I know a lot of people are familiar with, uh, former FFPC main event co-champ Philip Hooten, Welcome to Pros versus Joes. James Kearney, Chris Carlson, another former guest of the show. And the final Pros versus Joe uh, Joe this year will indeed be Roy Perenzuela. So congratulations, Roy Perenzuela and the other 41 Joes that are participating in the 2022 FFPC Pros vs. Joes. Darren Armani uh, from FantasyMojo.com at FantasyMojo on Twitter. He'll be reaching out to you and he'll uh, kind of gauge what date, what time, uh, what format work best for you as you try to take down a 2023 main event entry. I'll mention this at the end of the show before we sign off tonight, but these names will be posted to the FFPC message boards. We'll post links on it uh, to uh, on, on our Facebook page, as well as the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hours Facebook page, and then both the HSFF Hour uh, and FFPC Twitter pages will have links to this in case you missed your name. Uh, congratulations and carry the FFPC badge with honor as you take on these industry pros. Welcome in uh, the one, the only, the incomparable Farrell Elliott onto the program tonight. Farrell, welcome aboard. That is a good-looking group of Joes that are going to try to take out the pros again this year.
1: And what a fantastic job you did of welcoming them, Balky. And, you know, I think you guys uh, have done a very good job. I don't see many names being repeated there. Uh, that played last year. There's a lot of worthy players to play in that event. And I think you did really well. I've got some guys that I can root for right out of the bat, uh, Danny Mueller, Vince Staffolino, uh, great Kentucky players, along with Shane Wingard. You know, you mentioned Shelly Fossil. I've always had great admiration for her play. I think she's a terrific, terrific player. Uh, I would uh, I, I would be so honored if she would uh, grace us in Kentucky with her appearance yes. What a super player she is. And then all the guests that we've had on the show, I recognize some of the names. One of the names, uh, not the, the professor was not there. Our beloved boys uh, um, from uh, FBI, Petra and Larson, not there. They'll take it hard, but they'll get over it and be ready for next year.
0: Well, and the other thing too is, you know, it is cool to be in pros versus shows because you're competing for a main event entry. Yeah. Um, but, but Reeve, Petrie, Larson, I mean, they're all competing for a million bucks in the FFPC this year sure. too. I'm sure they'd much rather take that home. And there's always next year, as you said too. So congratulations to all of those uh, uh, people who were selected in the random drawing and good luck. We will, uh, maybe they will be on, we'll get them on the show. Uh, some of these guys will get them on the Thank show you. before they draft or maybe after they draft and talk with them. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, Fantasy Flash and talk a little bit about the, the what a letdown. We go from the pros versus shows to see who's in. Let's talk New York Jets football here. Yeah. Mike K from Pro Football Network says that Zach Wilson's actually been struggling with his accuracy in OTAs for the Jets. Oh, no. um, he said that Wilson got off to a rough start in team drills. His first four passes was a throw behind Corey Davis, a throw that went over everybody. A throwaway after he was flushed in the pocket. And then uh, a heavily targeted uh, second-year wide receiver, uh, Elijah Moore, had a pass thrown to him. Uh, heavily covered, uh, beg your pardon. So not that great. Um, no quarterback last year had a worse completion rate than expected. Um, only Justin Fields had a worse adjusted completion rate, those stats courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Wilson apparently has put on some weight this offseason, and the Jets brought in some talent for him. Um, Jeremy Ruckert, Brees Hall. They bring in, they're bringing back Elijah Moore. They bring in Garrett Wilson as well, and then bring aboard Lake and Tomlinson to try to, to protect him. Um, Kay says uh, the recipe is there for him to make a jump. Um, it's, it's hard to um, make a prediction on what's going to happen um, right now in June. And I guess the question here, Farrell, not necessarily, I mean, if you're, if you're in super flex, you're obviously drafting Zach Wilson. If you're in a single quarterback league, you're probably not. But what about these other uh, Jets pass catchers? I didn't be tell you. I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm down on Ruckert, down a little bit on Michael Carter, um, down on Corey Davis. I I think the pathway is there, even with Zach Wilson, for fantasy relevance for not only um, Elijah Moore, but maybe for Garrett Wilson in ball leagues as well.
1: It, it's interesting how our writer Mister K threw a little bone in there at the very end that said, you know, there's there's possibility, and and he he says a lot of words, uh, <laughs> a lot of hog. Uh, Bulky went into getting that one pound of sausage out of there, which seems like he's not a Zach Wilson fan. But I will tell you this, Zach Wilson's last year, as he parades the statistics out as a rookie player, he was given the job from the moment uh, that he was there. He he lost Davis, he lost Moore, he had underperforming tight ends, and he lost the best two of those. Uh, He was trying to beat you with Braxton Berrios and Jamison Crowder, which those are great complimentary players, but they're not going to get it done in this world's uh, NFL. So I would say that, that to not sour on your jet players uh, until you've made up your mind uh, and see through your own eyes, how far Wilson has come, certainly not the first four passes of OTAs. The guy I like here seems to be the forgotten man in draft, because if, if we're going to buy into what Mr. K is saying, and that if we're having struggles with the downfield passing game, I think we need to turn and look again to Michael Carter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Last year, there were close to 400 rushes in this backfield, and we cannot expect the rookie running back to get all of them. Michael Carter, 36 balls. You got to remember, he only played in about 12 or 13 games, as I recall, last year. He missed a big chunk in the middle of the season. Uh, He averaged four and a half yards a a carry behind a line that was suspect. Uh, he found the end zone four times for a Jets offense that didn't find the end zone often. Um, Michael Carter seems to me, balky in the in the uh, football guys that I'm doing right now, uh, I see him around the 11th and 12th round. And I, I think that's a good bargain uh, for this player and, and maybe a little late for him.
0: This is a player that a lot of people are excited about up until when the Jets drafted Brees Hall, you know. So Mm -hmm. does does Brees Hall's addition um, change Michael Carter's talent all of a sudden? No. Yeah, it hurts his opportunity. But the fact that he has now plunged to running back 45 at the 1104 in Isaiah Spiller, Naheem Hines, Tyler Allgaier territory, I think there's some upside there. So um, you might be talking me into Michael Carter. I think obviously, I mean, if you go um, 0RB, he's a great guy to add. Mm -hmm. Um, if, If you want to, you know, if you're grabbing other people's cuffs, as it were, Ah, uh, to try to maximize your uh, your 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 variance for this tournament, to try to take down uh, the whole thing um, with a monster squad. Michael Carter makes a lot of sense in the eleventh round. Um, let's stick with Mike kay's reporting. Uh, he actually says that James Washington is going to quote Ooh. shine in the Cowboys' offense. Now, Michael Gallup is recovering from the ACL. Mari Cooper is in Cleveland, so James Washington could be starting week one. Um, he's 26 years old. He has a foot injury right now that prevented him from participating in OTAs uh, for Dallas, uh, but it's a minor thing. He's supposed to be ready by mini camp, supposed to be you know, well on his way by training camp. Was not used often by the Steelers. I don't know if that's because of the quarterback or if it's because of the other re- receivers that were there in Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Uh, And Juju Smith Schuster, quite frankly, for part of the time in six games where he got at least seven targets, averaged uh, just under five catches, just under 70 yards and half a touchdown a game, which is pretty good numbers. Now gets Dak Prescott, that high octane Dallas passing offense. And I got to tell you, I know people still love Michael Gallup, myself included. But when you look at James Washington right now. In the Football Guys Players Championship ADP, shout out to Darren Armani, FantasyMojo.com, and FantasyMojo on Twitter where we get all these uh, details from. Wide receiver 83 at the 17th round. Dude could be starting for a high-volume pass offense. If he is looking that way and it looks like Gallup's not going to be ready, this is a massive, massive value right now. And if you are drafting in Football Guys, which you should be, if you are, this is a guy you should get on your team, Farrell.
1: Oh, I think so, especially at that buy point. Now, after everyone listens to this show, Valkyrie, he'll shoot up the boards, and we've got to identify where he quits being a value. I'm, um, I look at this offense, and I, I look at who's already there: uh, uh, Pollard, uh, a recovering Gallup, uh, an explosive and uh, and superstar player, ascending in uh, C.D. Lamb. The tight end, I think, uh, going off fifth in in our draft, will prove to be perhaps the the third tight end in points uh, this season in FFPC scoring. So I really do, I really do like the pieces in place, and I like how they're going to work in Pollard, and get he and Ezekiel. Uh, both on the field at the same time. We've always been waiting for that. I think this is the year we might get it. That being said, you know, I have a soft spot for players returning home. James Washington has had a hard time getting that career started. He's uh, from uh, a small town in Texas, went to play for the Cowboys of uh, Oklahoma State, and now he comes home. And I think that can really, really boost his career. But, you know, Cedric Wilson last year was a very – top contributory player to this offense. Just shy of 50 catches, a lot of touchdowns. I think he got two in one game, as many as six on the season. Uh, Jalen Tolbert is going to be there as well. Uh, You take Tolbert and you take Washington, you look at what uh, Cedric Wilson did, who's taken his game to Miami. uh, You you expect similar numbers, and nobody was going to really win with that, so I think this is a true handcuff that will get similar numbers to Cedric Wilson. And you can call that a success when he does.
0: Yeah. Jalen Tolbert. It's weird. Tolbert's the rookie coming in. And mm-hmm. ostensibly you would think he'd be the number four guy, at least to start off the season if Gall- uh, Gallup's healthy football guys right now, 14th round. Um, th- that's, you know, three, more than three rounds of where James Washington is going uh, ahead or where Washington is going behind him right now. So I don't really understand that. This is Alec Pierce, Tim Patrick, George Pickens, David Bell territory where Tolbert's scoring. A lot of rookie receivers bunched up there, including uh, Jahan Dotson right ahead of him as well. So, yeah, I don't really understand the Tolbert thing, and and the Washington thing makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, We do have Jack Colshin, the multi-league winner in the Football Guys Players Championship, coming up in just one minute here. The last thing I want to get to before we get to Jack is talk a little bit about another rookie receiver in wide receiver, Jamison Williams, who's recovering off that torn ACL. Detroit Free Press had a report today um, that said Jamison Williams being ready for the start of the season, quote, it's gonna be a challenge. Now, this was the national championship game in January against Georgia when he tore this ACL. Most of the reports that we've got on him so far have been good. Some people have gone as far to say that he's gonna be ready for week one. Even if he is, though, let's let's just take a take a look at this. Didn't didn't do anything in OTAs. He is probably not going to be doing anything in minicamp. Got to be honest with you, even if he gets to training camp, he's going to be behind um, because he is a rookie and there is a lot to learn and there is the speed of the game aspect that he needs to catch up on. Hasn't been able to practice with the team, just doing mental reps apparently. He could be pupped. I mean, that's a decision Detroit will have to make down the road and then he'd be out for the first six games of the season. Very exciting prospect um, to have Jameson Williams on your fantasy roster but I think I'd be much more excited in Dynasty. Redraft, I'm very skittish about drafting this guy, especially when Jared Goff already has a rapport with Amon Ross St. Brown. They brought in DJ Chark, who we've already seen him do it uh, in Jacksonville. I don't know about Jamison Williams in the Football Guys Players Championship right now, Farrell, and for um, the, to, to get the mojo on him right now uh, to tell you where he's going, he is wide receiver 53 in the 10th round. little too rich for my blood.
1: It is for me, too, and this is a player – that I think people that do draft him will tire of him. It's hard to leave a roster – hard to leave a player on your roster that, that could start the season on the PUP. He's a player that if he comes um, – if someone does tire of him and has to fill that spot, he's a guy that you can add as we go into the bye weeks as you see him get on the field. You also – bulky, you might have it at, at your hand. This player's measurables, uh, his physicality, exactly how much he weighs – and how he's adapting to the NFL. Um, it's a different game. He was an exciting player in college, but it's a different game than what he's going to be experiencing in the NFL. I'm with you. Uh, let's say let's don't buy here. Let's let someone else take that risk, but definitely not in the 10th uh, in the tenth round. There's players going in the middle of uh, the double-digit rounds, 14, 15, 16, that will have 60, 70 catches, multiple touchdowns. I don't think this guy's one of them.
0: Yeah, it's it, and maybe I'll be wrong and I'll be pleasantly, you know, I, I hope he proves yeah. me wrong because for Dynasty, I love him. I think he's gonna be awesome. Sure. Um, NFL.com lists him at six, one and a half, 179 pounds. So, um, certainly a good frame to grow into if he can put on some more weight because he's got the chops, he's got the talent. Very excited uh, to, to see what he can do in, in the NFL. I'm also very excited uh, to hear what our guest has to say tonight. I want to bring him in right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he uh, has played fantasy football. For well over a decade, he's a two-time football guy's Players Championship League winner, a Chargers fan, father of two kids who he says is are way smarter than him. Can't wait till those kids turn 18 and they start playing in, in the FFPC. <laughs> Everyone's doomed at that point uh, if they're smarter than he is right now. Um, he's here tonight to talk about his drafts so far this summer. Please welcome into the program Jack Colsheen. Jack, welcome in. Thanks for doing the show, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's awesome. Hey, Jack. So the kids are smarter than you already. This is this is a scary prospect if they get into fantasy football.
3: Uh, the, the daughter already is. She's uh, she's <laughs> six and she likes to uh, to draft along. But she's got her own methods about. Uh, what, she likes to look at their face and see if they look nice, and she likes <laughs> to hear how their names sound. So I, I feel like. Between her methods and mine, we've kind of got all the bases
0: covered. It's, it's yeah, sort of she like... would
1: be uh, an expert at picking horses too. So, that's, <laughs> yeah,
0: she's, she's yeah, right. yeah. this this is like this is like um, analytics meets film study right now. You it's know, a whole where, new type of study. Yeah, it's really I, yeah. breaking ground. So. What's your name, Jack? Uh, Adair. Oh, I Adair. love it. All right, so very I pretty. Um, I know you were in pharmaceuticals, uh, yes, Jack. What what can you tell us about what you're doing uh, in in that uh, industry?
3: Uh, so I monitor the market and our competitors to try to um, identify potential shortages in the drug market and then try to flex our manufacturing to respond to that to make sure that uh, essential medicines don't go uh, unproduced. So, um, yeah,
1: you're really a spy, aren't you, Jack? You're really <laughs> deep cover. You're actually, yep. I understand there's nothing on the walls behind you. There's nothing to give away. Location. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I'm yeah, glad yeah. you're a great fan. That's a wonderful job. Well, I you know, look, if you're a Chargers fan, there's <laughs> th- that makes you an expert on the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's let's go to a Kansas City Chief question. Um when Clyde Edwards Hilaire first came out of school uh and he was in that draft in his rookie season, man, did he shoot up the boards. I don't remember exactly where he settled. I'm thinking third round some sometime around the the middle of that year. I learned how to pronounce his name. Uh, And as soon as I learned how to pronounce his name, he his his productivity took a dive. And so I'm curious now that he's in the fifth, sixth, sometimes seventh round, what you think about this player and what you think about the other running backs on the squad, especially uh, Ronald Jones, who comes in from Tampa.
3: Well, I, I think at least at his current ADP, he's gone for me from just flat undraftable to, to, to plausible. I'd I, I like him more based on kind of the environment. So the AFC West, I think, is going to be the most competitive mm-hmm. division in the league. Tons of shootouts on a team that, uh, you know, without Tyreek Hill, there's a lot of opportunity in the, for, for receptions near the line of scrimmage. So I think that there's a lot of environmental reasons why he could be really good. I also, there's that report that apparently he had gallbladder surgery and it wasn't reported on, but between the 20 and 21 seasons and apparently lost a bunch of weight in between and wasn't quite right for the last training camp. So maybe, maybe he will be more, uh, explosive this season. Uh, so I, I guess at that price plausible, I like having exposure to the chiefs and the schedule they have, uh, you know He's certainly going to get the receiving work because if we know anything about Ronald Jones, it's that he can't catch a pass. So I think he's going to be the inside-the-tackles guy. Uh, there's certainly worth to that. My favorite Chiefs running back, though, is actually uh, taking a flyer on uh, Isaiah Pacheco. He can be mm-hmm. like 19th, 20th round. Certainly no draft capital, but he is just uh, – He's got all the, the reasons why you'd want to pick a Chiefs running back going for him. And on top of that, he's more explosive, a lot faster, I think four three forty, like two hundred and twelve pounds, and uh just a freak athlete. So
1: when did you discover Isaiah?
3: Uh actually I think it was uh JJ Zacharyson, just in an off-handed comment somewhere, just said that he was somebody who his model, the the athletics kind of uh peaked his interest. So that's when I started looking into him. He's a Rutgers guy. And, uh, you know, he certainly wouldn't be the only like late round or undrafted Rutgers guy to end up having a kind of an unheralded but uh, important career.
1: You know, and I agree with you 100%. And I think his uh, NFL career could overshadow his college career right away. That's a very good point.
0: It's kind of interesting as I look at the ADP, and I just posted it in the in the YouTube chat. But um, Edwards-Alari's ADP is 603 right now. This is a dude, it likes, it seems like his ADP goes down three rounds every year. He's like yeah. a first-round pick his rookie year. Then he slipped to like the third or fourth. Now he's in the sixth round. Um, and this rookie. is Elijah Mitchell territory. This is Miles Sanders territory, A.J. Dillon, Ken Walker. If you do go zero RB, you're going to have some pretty good choices as your number one running back if you make it to the sixth round. And, uh, you know, allegedly the number one running back on what could be the number one offense in the NFL is still there. Pretty crazy stuff to think about. Um Javante Williams, speaking of what could be the number one offense, uh, where do you stand on him? Uh, This is a guy that had creeped up when Melvin Gordon was not signed. He had creeped up to the late first round, sometimes the mid first round by some of the crazies out there. I'm just kidding. I say that with love. (laughs) Um, But Javante Williams now has fallen to the 210. He did fall, obviously, after the Gordon signing. Maybe not as much as people thought. So, Jack, where do you stand on him if he gets to be the 210? You're on the clock. You looking at Javante Williams there?
3: Absolutely. I, I've drafted him there and I've drafted him earlier. Probably, I, I'm probably irresponsibly high on Javante Williams. But that being said, I don't think the Melvin Gordon signing was that big of a deal to me because I just anticipated that they're going to sign somebody. And so or they could have gone out and drafted somebody. So that the fact that they, you know, weren't going to sign him unless he took a one million, like two point or a 1, two point five million one year deal. Um, you know, they were fine without him, if he wasn't going to take those terms show, you know, he's what going to be 29, Javante's 22. So their trajectories are headed opposite ways. I know they're saying 50, 50, but it's a new coaching staff. So you never quite know. And to me, I think the the impact that Russell Wilson will have on the offense, just in terms of sustaining drives and getting into the red zone overall means I I think Javante is going to have quite a bit of upside in that AFC West. If anything, Melvin Gordon is just being underdrafted. I don't think Javante Williams is being overdrafted.
0: I'm just saying you bring that up right now. I'm going to check the mojo on, on Melvin Gordon right now um, as far as where he is going over the last – this is, by the way, all day ADP I'm referencing on, unless, unless otherwise. I'm <laughs> referencing from Fantasy Mojo, and it is uh, the within the last seven days in the Football Guys Players Championship only running back 37 – for Melvin Gordon at the 907. That's Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones, Alexander Madison territory. Ooh, that mm. seems tasty too. See, now I'm liking everybody. I hate when this happens. <laughs> you know, we get on these, we get on these topics in conversation, and then it's like, man, I like that guy there. And I get and I only have 20 picks. If I'm you know drafting in, in Kentucky or private leagues or what have you, I only have 20 picks, and then I ended up, you know, I want all these guys. Um, so maybe I should recuse myself from the Travis Etienne question here, Farrell. And and then that way I won't be overdrafting everybody this year. Oh,
1: you know it's it's hard to overdraft Jags, but if you're going to do it, you probably start with Travis at the end. You know, I I think we could get back. You know, Jack, you're obviously good with numbers. You've drafted a lot. You you know how to position these drafts and know where the value is. I'm curious if we can put together a 20 man roster of all AFC West players. That's going to be one of my goals. <laughs> I've tried <laughs> hard. Have That's, you really?
3: I've been I've got several teams that are just dedicated to AFC West in one form or another. So I
1: I drafted five Raiders on a squad the other night, which was made me very excited. I think bulky was uh, and but and I drafted four Jags on that club, all all of them in, in double digit rounds, all of them late. So I didn't get Travis. But I think a returning Travis Etienne makes everyone on that team better. He's explosive. He's an excellent player, and he is a standalone running back as your number two running back in the fourth round. Isn't that quite a bargain for you this year?
3: I I think if, if Travis Etienne would have played and not even yeah. had a great season, but just modest, showed some promise, we'd be drafting him at the end of the second. You know, even if he didn't completely yes. break out as a rookie. So I think the fact that he, you know, around like where Javante going, I think the fact that he didn't play he's being put in the fourth round, not because there's some kind of concern about his game. There's just uncertainty because we haven't really seen it yet, but, but, you know, he's got control of the role. Uh, you know, we, we may, we have no idea when we'll see James Robinson and and when we do, you know, ACL, uh, recoveries, you're going to not have that same explosiveness. Uh, I don't, I'm not worried about Snoop Connor. So, so other than that, I mean, Travis Etienne owns the running back room. He's got the, uh, you know, the history w- with uh, Trevor Lawrence. And I think as bad as the offense, you know, appears, it can only go up from from Urban Meyer. And I, I think the kind of the environment yeah. that that created, I, I think people are yeah. actually want to play for the team. Uh, so I, I think uh, it can only go up.
1: So when we get out when we get out to Las Vegas in the main event, where do you think Travis will be drafted
0: then? And, and I'll tell you right now, Jack. Uh, Four hundred two is his ADP by Brees Hall, Cam Akers, David Montgomery. How high do you think he's going to ascend? Uh,
3: I I think early third by the by the time we're in yeah. September.
0: Okay, mm, interesting. Um, let's talk, And by the way, we're talking with uh, Jack Holsheen tonight, a multi league winner in the Football Guys Players Championship. Let's talk about another AFC West team in Denver. Um, Russell Wilson has a ton of weapons. Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Albert Okwepenowm, Melvin Gordon, um, Javante Williams. The list goes on and on and on and on. Now, as far as fantasy goes, if you could only pick one of these guys for the purposes of this question, which is the Bronco pass catcher or skill position guy that you want to have on your team if you can only have one in order to maximize your production?
3: Well, as much as I like Javante, I, I think my answer there is Cortland Sutton, especially, you know, right now in the fifth, I think that that he is a a prime candidate for the wide receiver in the, you know, just out of the first couple rounds that jumps into the first or second round next year. I think, uh, you know, Russell Wilson has had a top 15 receiver every single year he's played. So I think it's very reasonable that he'll have at least one wide receiver one, uh, Given you know the AFC West, the competitive environment, and between the two of them, between Judy and Sutton, I, I, I'm not uh, out on, on Jerry Judy, but I, I just think first of all, Cortland Sutton, we've seen it before. He had the the 2019 season where it was a, a really productive season, even with terrible quarterbacking. Uh, we, we haven't quite seen that from Jerry Judy yet, and you know, Cortland Sutton seems to fit the the DK Metcalf role, where you know, the the big-bodied outside speed. Uh, size threat doing the out routes uh, you know Tyler Lockett more the, the Jerry Judy co- comparison there I, I feel like in your first year in the new system new players the the DK role is probably easier to have quicker traction you know Tyler Lockett it took years to really develop that relationship the chemistry the timing the trust so I, I think next year redraft uh Cortland Sutton uh I, fifth time you know if, if he's in the fifth at any point uh, no matter what kind of build I'm doing, I'll draft him.
1: Balky, I've got a quick follow up for that one, one statement and then a quick follow up because there's two other players that I would really, really like to get Jack's opinion on. And I am I'm, I'm personally affronted that you left Tyreek McAllister out of that oh, list of players <laughs> that could possibly. And then Tim Patrick, Jack, Tim Patrick. Um, I'm impressed with this player's skill set. Uh, where does he fall? In, in this multitude of wide receivers. And then who do you think is the tight end at Denver? Yeah,
3: I, I like Tim Patrick. I think Tim Patrick can be a, a producer, even as the third wide receiver, he doesn't need to have an injury in order to, to get some sort of right. prominence. I guess the, the, the hesitation I have with Tim Patrick is usually when you start to draft him at that point in the draft, I'm looking for a, a higher upside dart throw, whereas Tim Patrick is a more reliable fill-in. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I guess I, I prefer to look for those higher upside plays, and I think he's a more uh, steady hand. Uh, it, it's t- in terms of tight ends, I I, I don't see what the, the big deal is. I think it's going to be Albert O pretty clearly. Uh, all of the efficiency metrics show that he's one of the most efficient tight ends last season uh, with the limited opportunities that he had. I you know, I know they went out and drafted a tight end. He certainly I, I think long term, uh the he'll be the reason that Alberto doesn't re-sign with, with Denver, but uh you know, Kyle Pitts having an impact in his first year as a tight end was a pretty freakish thing. I, I don't think we should expect it from uh from just anybody.
1: You know, I I I try to picture Lombardi walking around the sidelines talking about efficiency metrics. I just can't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I'm in drafts. There's a name that comes up all the time, and I say, why, why does this guy get drafted? And then I go look at the numbers, and I repeat, why, why does this guy get drafted? I'll go through the drafts and pick out the players that I never even considered. And this is one that I never even consider. Maybe I'm making a mistake. K.J. Osborne. When I look at the numbers, I see some promise there. But then I usually see that he puts those numbers up in games where Thielen is, is compromised with some type of injury. Can you tell us anything about K.J. Osborne? you got to love the fact that he's got a strong-arm quarterback with him. But is there anything else?
3: Oh, I, I love K.J. Osborne this year. Whoa. I think uh, he, he I, I grab him whenever I can towards the end. I think uh, the transition from from Zimmer to O'Connell, they're going from a very conservative, slow play calling to, you know, basically the Rams offensive coordinator. So we can fully expect uh, a very Rams-like offense there. So I think you're going to see a whole lot more, a a quicker pace of play, probably a little bit more tilting towards passing, but more importantly, more three wide receiver sets than than, uh, you used to see in Minnesota. So I think – that can help KJ Osborne have a role, you know, regardless of you know if everybody stays healthy. But it, I do think you know Adam Thielen can only keep doing this for so long. Uh, you know he's certainly reaching the the oh, he's going to be declining here at some point, and you know, I'd rather get out ahead of it. But even he is if the he I, I he's think the it's Brady, he's the Brady of
1: wide receivers. He's the Brady of wide receivers. Yes. So you're telling me that they're going to turn KJ Osborne into Van Jefferson? Which you know, I can I can see
3: that. I you know I think more. there's going to be a lot more volume, and it's either going to be him or Irv Smith that maybe you know fills in for that additional stuff. But I can get KJ Osborne two or three rounds later. So
0: not gotcha. and, and bear this in mind too. And I know this is you know this you don't draft a player based on this, but when you look at who you could be drafting, by the way, uh, to give you the the mojo on on KJ Osborne right now, sixteen oh four in Football Guys drafts. Josh Palmer, Odell Beckham, Kendrick Bourne territory. You know, God forbid Adam Thielen, who's not the youngest spring chicken in the world, were to go down, or Justin Jefferson, which I know nobody wants to hear, myself mm-hmm. included. I'm not going to say it. But if he were to miss time, for whatever reason, it? K.J. Osborne would step in to what you would think is a more, as, as Jack said, a more modern pass offense that seemed to work out pretty well. In Los Angeles, there is a lot to like about K.J. Osborne in the 16th round. Speaking of Josh Palmer, you are a Chargers fan. Can you sell our viewers on why Palmer would also be a good pick if you maybe miss on Osborne, maybe he's gone at that 15, 16 turn? Why would Palmer make a good selection there instead?
3: Well, uh, first of all, Josh Palmer rates very highly on my daughter's nice-looking face model, so that's important. (laughs) Um, I, I... I'm clearly biased, but I think the I think as objective as I could be, the Chargers have a, a really good shot of being the top offense in the league. If not the top, a top three. Working in that AFC West, they've improved their offensive line. There's now, you know, continuity in their offense at the second year under Lombardi, so not relearning the playbook and all of that. So it's a good environment for him to be in. It is a very cheap. Cost to get into the, the the Chargers overall team. It's his second year where we're typically seeing breakouts, and we saw at least some promise. I think he, ha- he has more versatility than Jalen Guyton, who's just sort of a wind sprints down the field. So if there were to something to happen to either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, uh, I, I think he could easily get the first shot at that role. You know, Mike Williams is fantastic, but he plays really – Hard and aggressive and falls really hard. And it just seems to be like injuries as a part of his game. But I think the biggest thing for me is the cost. So he is, I would put him the wide receiver three for a top offense. So another top offense is the, like the Bills. So you've got Jamison Crowder for the Bills, another wide receiver three, two, two full rounds earlier than Josh Palmer. One full round earlier is Will Fuller, who hasn't even signed with the team. And several picks earlier than Josh Palmer is George Pickens, who's the wide receiver three for an offense that is far worse than the Chargers. So I, I think he uh, is a really modest cost way to get into an explosive offense later on down the line. Uh, you know, he could take on a greater responsibility, especially with injury and week 17, they play the Rams. So, you know, there's always
0: that. Farrell's going to ask you about ground here in a second, but I do want to say this about Josh Palmer. I never liked Mike Williams, almost ever. Um, There was one Kentucky draft I drafted him, and it was because inexplicably he was still out there super late, and he was like my number six receiver. And he had a pretty good season, actually. But Mike Williams, who um, I I didn't draft last year. I drafted Josh Palmer in a ton of my rookie drafts last year in Dynasty based on the fact that I thought Mike Williams would be gone, like Mm -hmm. somebody would give him the Brinks truck elsewhere, and he wouldn't be back with the Chargers. I drafted a couple early Kentucky leagues, um, Farrell where I drafted Josh Palmer, very excited because I thought he was going to be the number two for Los Angeles. And what do the Chargers do? They go out and they give Mike Williams a billion dollars, and now Palmer, I have to wait again until Williams either, you know, moves on or misses time or, or what have you. So Mike Williams, even though I'm not drafting him, he's still finding finding a way to screw my fantasy team. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, a day or – I would I would like you
1: to show I like you to put Balky side by side, uh, Balky <laughs> and I side by side, and show Adair you know the, the frozen screenshot picture mm-hmm. of this tomorrow, and and I'd like to see who has the nicest face because if <laughs> I win, Balky that beard has to go. Oh you no know. no, the beard must go if Adair time. picks this mug over <laughs> yours. You know. Uh, An expansive question about tight ends. I'm interested in what you know and what you think about Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. I drafted him very early. I've been drafting since January. I'm on the clock now. Uh, I haven't drafted him lately, but I think he's coming back to play. I cannot let you get out of this seat without talking about the charger tight end position, and if we can ever get – The uh, And I think that I'll tie this into Gronkowski by saying there's a reason Gronkowski keeps playing every year is we just never can get the element of the tight end to develop league wise. There's a shortage of tight ends league wise. And will Gerald Everett be a great charger addition? So first Gronkowski and then follow up a little bit on Everett because I'm sure you have some very nice insight there as well.
3: I, I agree with you. I, I, I've i got no reason to believe that Gronk is not coming back for one more year now that, that Tom's unretired. Uh, and, and as a result, you know, last season he was uh, tight end eight despite playing like only 12 games. I think he was like the third tight end in points per game. So if you look at the current tight end eight being drafted, it's uh, Dallas Goddard. And I believe it's – three full rounds, like two or three uh, ahead. So I interpret that as the, the the uncertainty around his retirement is is worth like a two to three round discount. And in the tight end, I'll take that risk. I I think it, it it sounds pretty consistent with we know about him that he wants his summer. He's got his cruise line stuff and his part, you know, his parties that he does. He's able to get, you know, since he's got that chemistry with Tom, he doesn't need the full summer to get ready. So I think it's pretty consistent that he he will uh, re-sign in June or July in time for training camp. Yeah,
0: when, um, if you draft Rabinkowski, you know, say in the ninth round or tenth round or whatever, does that change the way you draft tight ends in the back half of your draft or no? Uh,
3: I you mentioned Gerald Everett, and I was going to say I, he is a great pick to kind of bolster the and, and take care of the the. The downside risk to Gronkowski, I, I think he is still um, he's going light enough that that, that he's con- pretty affordable, and yet I, I think he's got more upside than the than the the tight ends he's being drafted around. Just being a part of that offense again, he's he's more efficient than Jared Cook was, so I think there's going to be a, you know at at least more opportunity or uh, for for upside than Jared Cook, I, and I think. He's a, if I had to rely on him because the rest of my team is stacked, I wouldn't be um, too upset. But having Gronk and uh, him as, a, as another option is a pairing that I've done several times.
0: Um, go to a couple of emails here that we have from listeners. Another Chargers question, actually. Jim in Corona, New York. Hey, Jack, is Isaiah Spiller a high value backup to draft this year? What will he do if Eckler misses any time? Thank you um, for the email, Jim in uh, Corona, New York. Thanks for listening. This is kind of morbid. We're talking about a lot of Chargers injuries here tonight. <laughs> what if Eckler gets hurt? What if Mike Williams gets hurt? What if Keenan <laughs> Allen gets hurt?
3: Unfortunately, um, there's a lot of history of that. that so. And that
0: it was what I was going to allude to. You know, uh, we have Ron Meyer, two Packer in the chat right now. He is a big oh, Chargers fan. And he's been saying that they need to retool that um, strengthening in tra- uh, strength and conditioning uh, portion of that team for like what seems to be like a decade plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say Eckler... Maybe he holds out. Maybe he's got something going on. He wants to see a concert in Europe. He wants to get away from the team. Maybe he's still healthy, but he misses time. Is Isaiah Spiller the guy there, or is he just part of a committee?
3: I think Isaiah Spiller, as far as a profile, is different than Josh Kelly or Larry Roundtree in that uh, he's got enough of a versatile profile that he could still be the big back, the goal line back, the early downs, but then could also take on – at least some receiving work uh, maybe not the full bevy of Eckler's targets, but I, I think he could take on enough of that to become a three down back in Austin Eckler's absence. A lot of, you know, a lot of backs around that area might be part of a, a split that they're not really able to take the, the full role, but I think he's closer to Eckler, obviously different strengths, but he's closer to Eckler than the the previous three to four chargers running backs that have been drafted they're just kind of one piece of the puzzle because he represents more of that. And and again, that, that offense, that offensive line that was above average to begin with uh, even if Eckler doesn't get injured, I I, I think um, for where he's being drafted represents good upside.
0: Um, Just getting the, uh, the mojo on Spiller. I think we might've mentioned it earlier in the broadcast when we were talking about um, another uh, running back. Um, Yeah. Right. He goes right ahead of Michael Carter. Uh, in the 11th round um, as far as running back 44 behind Daryl Henderson and Ramondre Stevenson. One last email here, Jack, for you. Uh, John in North Canton, Ohio, uh, which Colts wideout would you rather draft this year, Paris Campbell or Alec Pierce? Appreciate it, man. That is John in North Canton, Ohio. So Campbell or Pierce, before you answer this, we'll, I'll get you the, uh, the ADP over the last seven days, and if I remember looking at this earlier, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, Alec Pierce, wide receiver 66 at the 14.07. Paris Campbell um, is actually going at uh, wide receiver 60 at the 13.03. So I guess I, they hmm. are more similar than I thought, but still about a round and a half is Campbell going ahead of Pierce. Is that way you the way that you would have them too, Jack?
3: I, I think roughly. I think that, to be honest, the, the difference is negligible uh, in, in terms of the two. I think they're, they're fairly close to each other. And I, I, I think it's going to be, the off, at least the passing offense, so heavily slanted towards Pittman that I, I, I have not found many. I, I think I've drafted Paris Campbell a couple times, but but um, I, I'm not
1: looking to draft Ooh. either one of them in that area.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Farrell, final question for Mr. Colsheen
1: here. I really love the way that you approach players and your knowledge about a, a great deal of players. So this question is going to be hard for you on two sides because I want a player that you're really targeting, that you really love, and one we haven't talked about uh, so far tonight. And then the other thing that you might find is, is uh, that you might have a little bit of trouble with is who you're going to avoid drafting, who you really don't like and why.
3: So – we, we did a good job of going through my, my late-round target list through some of these questions, but another, yeah. another one that I like to go after um, that maybe doesn't get a lot of buzz right now uh, is Kennedy Brooks, the rookie running back, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the, the team as a whole, I, I think they've really embraced the offensive identity. They, they've obviously have invested in the O-line. They went out and got A.J. Brown, who you know even as a receiver has that kind of very physical yards after the catch – beat them up type of play. So I think they've really embraced that run first identity, but I don't think, you know, you look ahead and it's Miles Sanders, it's uh, Kenny uh, Gainwell, Kenneth Gainwell, and uh, is Boston Scott still on on the roster? None of those seem like world beaters to me. I, I think they, you know, they've given Miles Sanders plenty of opportunities um,
1: Boston Scott is the giant killer, though. He, and he eighty-eight it. touches led to eight touchdowns last year. At the gates for Boston Scott. You you say that uh, you say that Brooks is going to get some of that.
3: I, you know, I can get Brooks for uh, you know in the nineteenth or twentieth. And I think just given given the offense and who's ahead of him, I just like that as, as a flyer. I'll go the complete opposite direction for for the player that I'm avoiding. I'll take a first rounder. Uh, I will not draft Mark Andrews this season. Mm. Um, I think it, I mean, it just falls down to two big problems. Uh, Last year was an anomaly from a passing perspective. Uh, The Ravens want to run more. They went out and they invested in a center, (laughs) uh, a tackle, two tight ends and a running back in the draft. They only resorted to that strategy last year because they lost their entire running back room and were relying on, you know, pretty old veterans. And they lost their secondary. And so they had no defense to stop anybody. I think they're going to get back to the run first. And the second problem with Mark Andrews is he had the big spikes in production when Lamar wasn't playing. When Lamar played, he saw much more consistent with his his historical pattern. So I think in order to pay off with his first-round price tag, he has to repeat basically what he did. And I think there's a couple good reasons as to why he's just not going to. So... And that's too much for me to risk in the first.
0: Um, one more question for you, Jack. I apologize. Um, I, this is something I said we we're going to get to. Uh, the professor, Hudson kern wants to know in the uh, chat room, uh, red flags for, for Traylon Burks. Now, I know initially in the in the mini camp it sounded like he he was out of breath or he wasn't in shape and he had to sit out for, for some. I was never a big Traylon Burks guy, given – not that – I know Dizzle always says I, I'm way into the – too too into the relative athletic score but his was really bad um and I know a lot of people are are very excited about him and as Kern points out in the chat this is he's kind of a polarizing guy like either Mm -hmm. you love Traylon Burks or or you're really really nervous about him how do you fall in on him
3: I think I I take advantage of that that polarization I, I think uh people already had strong opinions about him uh the the news about the athleticism I I think I heard somewhere. I mean, he has asthma, and it was just an issue of having the inhaler on hand. So I've seen plenty of clips of him where he looks plenty athletic to me, you know, certainly not wheezing on the side of the field. So I think that was kind of a. I'm not saying that he's going to be Jamar Chase, but I think the, you know, on Burks gasping for air is the Jamar Chase dropped too many balls preseason story for this year. So
1: (laughs) that was another Michael Kay report. Hot off the press.
3: (laughs) There's. I've seen him in drafts fall to like the late eighth, and I, I'm just fine taking uh, him when he falls. There's a room of people that have kind of made up their mind. Uh, I'll take advantage of that.
0: Um, we got to take advantage of a very intelligent fantasy football player's oh, father tonight. As <laughs> That's very <as right>. <laughs> Since Derek couldn't be with us, we, we had to settle uh, for you, Jack, which we really appreciate. We're very thankful that you could come aboard. Uh, congratulations on your uh, previous championships. Good luck as you chase that uh, half-million-dollar grand prize in the Football Guys Players Championship this year. We really appreciate you carving out some time for us tonight, man. Thanks so much. It was a blast. Have a good one. Thank you you so much. Yeah, Jack Colshane, ladies and gentlemen, uh, popping aboard, talk a little. This was the AFC West High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight uh brought to you by um southwest airlines i don't know something that goes on uh, uh, are there still chi-chi's out there i don't even know yeah. uh, anymore um but yeah there was good stuff from him we got into a lot of charger stuff a lot of bronco stuff uh for sure this is a guy that um i, I can't tell if if the knowledge comes from his daughter or not but this is a dude who knows what he's doing once again Farrell. um and and all the uh viewers got treated to uh to us picking the brain of, of a guy who's going to win a lot more leagues again this year.
1: And and just like all Chargers fans, you notice he didn't say a damn thing about the Raiders. Not a thing. <laughs> Not – didn't mention – Well, that's because you
0: always we, – we, we always – I Raiders told
1: him I drafted Raiders. five Raiders and he just stared at the screen. You know? <laughs> Yeah, this, well, did you say? Crazy. Did you
0: say that was the league that you had like five Raiders and then four, four Jaguars, Jaguars, and, and then four we Jaguars. just talked about the Jaguars? <laughs> yeah, I gave him a
1: chance, and he went right for the Jags. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's what he was. But you know, when a dare, we when we get the Adair reveal of who yeah. has the nicest face.
0: Yeah. Well, we know I who's mean, winning that, and it's not
1: me. Yeah, I, I think you winning ball game.
0: It's you got eyes
1: when you're also
0: that big. Yeah, well, fa- thank you, thank you so much. Um, let's get to some some uh, emails here. The last couple of minutes of uh, the program this week. Uh, Ken in Gainesville, Florida. Dear Balky and Farrell, of all the rookie receivers who landed in the best spot fantasy production and there's a lot of rookie receivers obviously uh this year we've i mean the two guys from ohio state we talked about uh jameson williams obviously drake london we haven't really talked a whole lot about drake london on this program he's another guy that's very exciting for fantasy christian watson sky Moore, who were not those guys ended up being drafted as late first round picks in the ffpc rookie draft they were not necessarily always going there um or they weren't necessarily going ahead of some of the players who went in the second round, um, but then they ended up going there after the NFL draft because Green Bay scooped Watson up, because Kansas City scoops Sky Moore up. So there's a lot of players, a lot to unpack here, Farrell. Is there one or maybe two or, or maybe none that stick out because you like a lot of them?
1: Mm, yeah, I do. Uh, naturally, Sky Moore gets, the, gets gets a tip of the cap because of uh, his matchup with the quarterback. But I'm going... Uh, It was it was John from North Canton, Ohio, that sent in the trick question tonight. And until he got that question, uh, you know, our Jack was the kid that was batting a thousand. And, uh, you know, he swung and missed, I think, on this curveball with Alec Pierce. Uh, I go all the way. Alec Pierce was the 12th receiver picked. And Alec Pierce, to me, has the best landing spot of all rookie wide receivers. He comes in to where he is clearly going to be the number two wide receiver. And, and if you don't understand who Alec Pierce is, everybody knows my love of Claypool. Alec Pierce actually impresses me a little more coming out of Cincinnati. Now, at Cincinnati, he didn't catch balls like some of these guys around the country. That's because of the offensive scheme. They really didn't know how. Well, they really didn't know exactly where they wanted to use this player but he'd still put together excellent numbers. Alex Pierce now gets in a situation where he benefits from Matt Ryan on an offense that wants to run the ball. We've the the coach, you know, last week's podcast, the coach gave us a little bit of a glimpse of what he plans to do when he was talking about Hines. Hines is the underneath guy. Pierce is the over metal guy. Pittman is the guy that we fed the ball to. And bulky, I don't have to remind you what Matt Ryan can do with two very elite receivers. Go look up Alec Pierce. Realize that he's six foot three. Realize that he runs a four four one forty at the combine, and he jumps damn near out of the building over forty in a vertical. I like those numbers. Uh, uh, much better than the, uh, the, the Drake London, the kid at Atlanta, who will be with Marcus Mariota. Uh, I, I like everything about this player, where he's going to be, and what they're going to ask him to do. And I think this is a fantastic draft pick. Uh, and, and you gave us the mojo in the 14th round of virtual thievery. Uh, by the end, by the double-digit weeks, when we're playing for a championship, I think Alec Pierce will deliver that to some fantasy owners.
0: I'll say this too about Pierce, and and I I don't think Dizzle minds me saying this. Maybe he does, and I'll get fried for it uh, when he sees this later. But but I know he's been drafting um, Alec Pierce in some of his private dynasty leagues quite a bit in the second round. So I know he's a big fan of him, and we all know how intelligent Dizzle is when it comes no, to fantasy football. So, so yeah. So now we got Farrell and and the Dizzle on the Alec Pierce train. You should be. Too.
1: Can you can you just imagine what they serve? At one of those private dynasty leagues, you know, with, with oh,
0: no. do, I mean, do you know, that just what do we got to do to get I'll in I'll one you of them? Tell you this: those leagues are the reason why when you go to a nice seafood restaurant, that lobster is always listed at market price. Yeah, they never have a fixed right price. It's because it's a market of price brought. menu. Yeah. yeah. Um.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. So, so Kern also wants to know, and I know I've touched on this before in the past um but he wants to know as a Packers fan what are you expecting from Christian Watson. Here's the thing and I'll just I'll make this brief. Um I have no idea what to expect. History would say as far as rookie receivers at Aaron Rodgers, they don't really put up big numbers, but we also have not seen a situation where the Packers trade two second round picks to move up to select a guy and have a wide receiver room as bereft of talent as as they do now. You know, when when Adams and James Jones and Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson, all these guys are drafted. There was already like at least one other established receiver there. You don't really see an established receiver there. Yeah. There's Randall Cobb. Okay. That's fine. Alan Lazard. All right. Nobody near the town on some of these other guys. Christian Watson is going to be counted on a lot this year. Christian Watson is going to get a lot of opportunities. He has been having a little bit of the drop sees, which was a red flag for him coming into the NFL draft. As far as the OTAs goes and how he's performing, but jet sweeps are going to be involved with him uh, as well. So, I'm going in with lowered expectations. I like him for dynasty. This season, I I don't know if you want to get crazy with him in drafts, but as a number five or six receiver, you could do a lot worse for upside. And I'll just leave it with that on Christian Watson. Now, a guy who, to me, does not represent similar upside as Christian Watson is Curtis Samuel. And that's our next email that we have Kevin in Manchester, Connecticut. I know it hasn't been great for him in Washington, but is Curtis Samuel worth a roster spot this season? And as we look at the mojo, for Curtis Samuel this year, a guy who I don't think anybody is excited about drafting 18th round wide receiver, 90 Farrell. Are you looking elsewhere when it gets to be that late, uh, in the, uh, in the football guys drafts, or is this a guy, uh, that, that you bet on a bounce back where he can outperform that draft spot?
1: Oddly enough, I think I would like to have this player on a couple of my teams The familiarity with the coach and the reason that he is there. Now the quarterback that he gets, I think a lot of this, uh, is is very much to the credit of. I, I think it's a good matchup between this player and the quarterback. Now, uh, guy, you know when there's a lot of talent in this wide receiver pool that we can get at eighteen. Um, Curtis Samuel, I'll probably wait on him. But if I hear that, if I like what I see early, he'd be a waiver wire pickup for me.
0: Okay, um, I, I you know, at, and I'll just say this as far as like. You're saying, well, bulky, who else is going there? This is like Terrace Marshall, Nico Collins, KJ Hamler, LaVisca, Chenault. So, all guys that have significant upside um, yes. at that point. And you can make the argument that all those guys have more upside than Curtis Samuel. Um, so, maybe I would go elsewhere there. Um, and maybe, Farrell, I'm with you because if, if I miss out on him the 18th, he'll probably be out there on the waiver wire more than likely in a bunch of my leagues. And if he has a big week one, I can pay up for him. Uh, preseason waiver wire maybe i want to take a chance i don't know if yeah. one of my guys gets hurt or something like that but sir i'm, I'm not i'm not you know bending over backwards to pick him late. Uh, he, even Warriors, if he doesn't even if he doesn't have
1: that big weak one if you like the way he's moving if you like the way that he is that it appears to be targeted if you can see some potential aspect for him if he's on the field a lot
0: then go ahead and
1: add him to your roster
0: the other thing to think about too is, you know, they have a rookie in Jahan Dotson there. Mm-hmm. They obviously have McLaurin, who's a stud. Uh, but then after that, I mean, are you really excited about any other Commanders receiver? Probably not. And Samuel actually has uh, the not the not, well, he's got the pedigree. and then he's already done it uh, a little bit in Carolina too, mm-hmm. which is more than you could say for a lot of the other Washington receivers. A guy who has been doing it all season long on this podcast is Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Farrell, the uh, Run to Daylight Championship has reached only three drafts left. Uh, The next one taking place Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern. That one's almost filled. We only got five teams left in that. Uh, So I would encourage everybody to check that out to try to win a $5,000 grand prize for just a $200 buy-in. And, of course, the main events are picking up uh, as far as registration goes. They start and – we're just probably a little over a month, right, before – the, the first Kentucky main event draft goes off. I'm excited for that. You can register for that at KFFSC.com. Gentlemen and a scholar, and we will talk to you not next Friday, but next Thursday, my friend.
1: Thursday it is. See you then, Bobby.
0: Farrell Elliott, you follow him on Twitter, at Farrell Elliott. You follow the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship on Twitter at, you guessed it, KFFSC. I want to thank uh, Jack Colsheen. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you for hanging out and watching us on YouTube, Facebook, and or Twitter, or maybe you're streaming the download later. I don't know. We just are very appreciative that you check out this podcast because we love making it for you. Uh, we are back, as I alluded to, with uh, with Farrell. Back next Thursday, 10, 9 Central. No show on Friday. We're going to be back on Thursday. Four-time FFPC main event and Football Guys champ and 2022 pros versus joe participant uh shane wingard will be on the show uh this coming thursday at 10 9 central the football guys early bird promo is live active for a 35 five dollar discount just uh register by the end of the month draft by july 15th you get a free 35 bucks added to your account and we'll do that up to three times for you which is awesome uh great deal uh in my opinion uh the 2022 ffpc best ball tournament has drafts filling every day if you want to uh, invest 125 bucks to try to win 200 thousand dollars. That is a strong, lot of fun and uh, a strong way to make this a great uh, 2022. Obviously, uh, the inaugural Superflex Best Ball tournament launched. 35 dollars uh, entry fee in that one can win you 10 grand. Dynasty startups popping off tomorrow. Uh, so make sure you're if you want to add any maiden drafts this year, now is the time to do it. Plenty of slow live uh, and sit and go best ball options at myffpc.com. I do want to remind everybody. Uh, that the pros versus Joes uh, drafts do not start for another month and a half, roughly. We're going to broadcast them here. And if you missed the announcement earlier of all the Joes that are in, uh, within the hour, roughly, uh, you can uh, check out the FFPC message boards, the FFPC Twitter, FFPC Facebook. We'll have links posted there to see if you got in or not. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for uh, for hanging out and watching tonight. Hopefully this was a success no matter which platform you watched it on. And, of course, your weekend officially starts now.
2: Well, this has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Uh,
0: Before I let you go tonight, uh, one other thing I do want to just uh, say. um, Jeff Gladney and Marion Barber lost their lives this week, two former NFL players, obviously. Marion Barber, um, a guy that we're very familiar with, with, uh, fantasy football, um, to, you know, I I don't want to dwell on it too much. I mean, it, it stinks that, that these guys are gone this soon, but I will say this, uh, I, not that I'm honoring Marion Barber's, uh, legacy or memory by doing this, but I did go back and watch some Marion Barber highlights, um, from when he was at the peak of his powers with Dallas, when he went to the Pro Bowl, um, just awesome stuff. And, and just, you know, to savor that memory one last time or until the next time I do, it was pretty cool. So I'd encourage you go on YouTube, go on Twitter, check out the Marion Barber highlight videos and and obviously thoughts and prayers, uh, positive, um, you know, vibes, anything we can send to the Gladney and Barber families. We're doing it here with the FFPC high stakes fantasy football hour. We'll talk with you again next Thursday, everybody.